Hey you heroes! Welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly, a fan cast about the card game Marvel Champions by Fantasy Flight Games. Thanks for joining us as we complete heroic deeds and thaw the villain's evil schemes. Hey everybody, welcome to the MCM Podcast. We are a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions and more. Today is going to be a Marvel Champions-focused episode where we do our second episode of three, overviewing the Next Evolution campaign box that's been out for just over a month for Marvel Champions. So last episode we talked about Cable and Domino, and we've got the same crew with us today in alphabetical order. We've got Addercop. How's it going? It's actually why it's Addercop, so I'm always first in alphabetical order. Right. You're only first because of that. Otherwise, you'd be second. Because um, second oh. is Crimson. You didn't even tell me how it's going. I'm moving on. <laughs> How's it going, Crim? We'll give you a second chance. Oh, it, it's going. It's going. It's going. You've just been it's going. playing a ton of Starfield. Nice. And we got Hone. How's it going, Hone? Pretty good, you know. Get, get Marvel Champions content again, so that, you know, can't complain about that. You didn't quit yet, team. A really good start. Yeah, there's still yeah. time. Still time. High expectations. Yeah. Um. So today we're going to talk about the first three villains from the Marvel Champions box. But first, but first, we haven't done this in a while. We've got some listener questions. Everybody what? ready? Yeah, no really? one was prepared for this because I didn't tell you ahead of time. I'm so organized. Lead from the front. Um, so the first listener question is real easy. Everybody should be able to answer that. Um, other than Marvel Champions, what games have you been playing recently? So we'll go in alpha numerical order again with Adakop. Okay. Um, I normally play a lot of, um, Warhammer 40k, and I haven't been able to lately because of my schedule, but I've been making some time for a different Games Workshop game, um, playing uh, Middle-Earth, the uh, Middle-Earth strategy battle game, which is a really, really cool system. Nice. Do you play as good guys and bad guys in that game, or only one? Uh, do you mean me personally, or are you talking about, like, as a player, are you able to? As a player, or you personally, both? Uh, yes to both. I really like playing um, Isengard, and uh, I really like playing as... Well, I've been, I'm building a, a Shire army right now, so it's it's a lot of fun. Nice, nice. All right, we'll move on to Krim. What have you been playing recently? Uh, still playing Morgana on Pixel Worm since, uh, you know, can't get any products anymore. Scrubbing along, nice. I get it, yeah. Well, and then been playing a ton of Starfield. I did the, the new game plus like 10 times already. Nice. And uh, beyond that, just magic and Dorkana and yeah, that's about it. And getting crushed by Juggernaut. Oh, dude. Yeah, pre-cons are not. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Hone? How have you been doing? What have you been playing? Uh, I haven't been doing too much stuff, but uh, Lord of the Rings, LCG, we have a weekly Austin group, so I've been trying to make it out to that. Uh, we're going through the Dream Chaser um campaign and uh just trying to get more ashes in because i feel like a complete noob in that game yeah we're all noobs in that game 
I've been playing a little bit of Ashes and then Lorcana and One Piece. Um, but they're competing because our game night is on the same night of the week. And the One Piece, the Straw Hat crew really feels like I've abandoned them because I haven't played with them for a while. And uh, this week I had an excuse because when the event happened, it was also a One Piece pre-release event and they were sold out. So I was going to have to be like on the waiting list, but they were they were pretty upset with me still. So is I've abandoned. As I understand it, the Straw Hat crew is the name of the main like crew. Yeah. And is that what you call your gaming group? No, no, that was. Or is that what you team? With I call them nerds. <laughs> okay, okay, so we we berate them. Cool. I'm making sure that that's still yeah, still yeah, what we yeah. do. Yeah, that's still what we do yeah. here. That's that's how nice, we roll. We're nineties. Nice anime stuff. cards, dork. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you nerd. It, it does look like an interesting game. I will say that. Oh, Krim just showed interest. We're gonna make him play. This is gonna happen. Yeah, big mistake. Yeah, I mean, just wait until he sees Crimson the card. He's going to be all about it. All card games. In fact, so somebody was redoing the Highlander card game from the 90s. And unfortunately, because of this new Highlander movie that they're working on with Henry Cavanaugh, they got a cease and desist. From it because did it you like see that Overpower is coming Yeah, out? Yeah, I did. Except for it's still using the original 90s rules instead of updating <laughs> and giving the us The same more graphic of a, template. Yeah, Wait, like give us uh, a, a brawler, a, a new set of rules instead of this, because the original game is very much like poker. Like you, you bet on who's gonna win win the round and stuff like that. It's really weird. Did you say they're making a new Highlander movie? Yeah, with how Henry can, Cavanaugh. Wait, how would they be making? How could they be making another one it's when a, there can only be one? It, it's a reboot, yeah, I know. I'm sure, and, I'm and sure it, there's it, time it, travel. It's also worry. supposed to be a trilogy, and they, they they have talked a little bit about it, how, you know, the first movie is going to be more introduction stuff to the universe and stuff like that, and not have, like, yeah. It, it, look, I'll, I'll let them do it and see what happens. Hopefully a new Highlander card game comes out of, you know, of the movie, and that would be great. You'll let them do it. You need to chill out, Krim. <laughs> You'll allow them to do it. Yeah, you, you don't understand my obsession with Highlander. <laughs> We're about to. No. No. Anyway, that, that was question that was question is. number one. That was question number one. Okay. Um question number two is for only Hone. P- people ask questions. They said we didn't talk about Hone enough when he showed up. So people want to know, Hone, what's your history in card gaming? We didn't even introduce you. We were just like this nerd's on the show now. Hope everybody's yeah. ready. Um, Not that yeah. guy. We know him. Who else? What else do you need to know? We know him. He's a baseball hat on Discord. That's all you need to know. Blue, blue hat. It's uh, my Discord avatar. So what do you want to know? My card game history? Uh, your card game history or Marvel history? Yeah. Um, my card game history starts off with Magic, which I think is probably how a lot of people um, were... I think my first set was Ice Age slash fourth edition ish oh, around that nice. time frame. Uh Dinsen Fallen Empire. Uh and I kind of stopped after I think like Mirage Fifth Edition, I guess. So you remember when Fallen Empires was fifty cents a pack? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's like when I started doing, I guess, card games then. 
you know, a lot of the kids at school only bought it because the art was pretty or something. Um, but cared you had that one guy in your playgroup that had a pestilence deck, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I got the era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then kind of fell off of that, uh, and fell off of board games for a long time too. Uh, and then started getting back in. I think uh, when I started working, and then uh, pandemic. I guess the gateway co-op game uh, was introduced uh, just at a party, and. I thought that was fun working with people and I still had that itch for like a constructed card game and I found Lord of the Rings the card game at the time. I think that it was like three or four years old around like Heirs of Numenor uh, I want to say was the latest cycle at the time and so I got uh, fell pretty hard into that game um, because it was kind of the only I think like constructed solo slash cooperative game because the problem with Magic is you had to have people to play with, so you had to be social and have friends. It was much easier to just play by yourself, you know? So I did that for years, and then did a little bit of Arkham, but didn't play that as religiously, even though I still collect it. Um, I think it's probably more on my shelf of shame than the other LCGs, and then got into Marvel when that kind of came out. What I learned is Hone does not condone of having friends. Everybody hear that at home? Yep. You have friends, you're not Hone's friend anymore. If you ever want to play Arkham online, just let me know. I'm always up for Arkham. Yeah, uh, I'd probably feel better about that for all the money I spend on it and don't play it. <laughs> yeah. So we can't be Hone's friend? We can and cannot at the same time. It's an existential crisis. It's guy. like a Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's Hone's uh, friend. I'm going to have to take down my Etsy's li- my Etsy listing for my Hones Honies shirts. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's okay. awesome. I hope you bring that I to Kana Heroes. I love that so much. <laughs> you, you making shirts for Kana Heroes, Adderkop? Uh, probably make one that I'll wear, yeah. Well, the third question is, do you only play protection, or are you a sane human being? I, I can't be as cool as Americano, you know. I can't live. Got up to it. That. What is You're your not that defensive. Aspect? Yeah, I'm not what? that defensive. What is, what is my favorite aspect? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think I like all them to some degree. Uh, I think for since I do play a lot of solo, definitely I think justice and leadership tend to fare the yeah. best, but. That's what I'm talking about. But in, in multiplayer, I actually do tend to play a lot of protection. Um, I remember this one time at the first Con of Heroes, America, I left all my cards back at the Airbnb, and I borrowed a Drax protection deck from Americano, and he did not include a night nurse in there, and I was playing with Sko, and we just need to hit the villain one more time, but I was stunned, and I couldn't Unstun myself. <laughs> yeah, that's like really the, good. You know, like that the one the one thing protection is supposed to be good at doing, right? <laughs> asking your favorite aspect is like asking who your favorite child is. And my kids yeah. asked that this week and I told them Addercop and they didn't understand. But yes. my wife thought it was really funny. So in your face, kids. I mean, do do you need a fifth house where it's just like pool aspect? 
No, not that's yet. That's going to be yet. me. <laughs> or, or, or do you just say basic? I just run power and all of us. And I just do basic. Basic is not an aspect, and we feel strongly <laughs> about that on this show. So, Some of us feel strongly about that on this show. Yeah, other okay. ones just don't okay. care. Those were our listener questions, but thanks for sending them in. So if you have more listener questions, you can pop them in the MCM AMA channel on Discord, or you can email them to MarvelChampionsMonthly at gmail.com, and we can ask Cohen more questions, but not the rest of us. Yeah, that's awesome. I like this. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Well, guess what else you're going to like? Talking about the first three villains from the next Evolution box. So uh, we've got three villain scenarios and four of us, so Adderkop doesn't get to talk. You just have to be silent. Ah, good luck. But I'll go through the first scenario, which is Morlock Siege. And we're not going to talk through the campaign settings uh, this episode. We'll do that next episode. So I always like to start explaining scenarios by the the, uh, main scheme card. So the first main scheme is Knock Knock. You're going to include the Marauders um, as your villain on side A or side B for expert mode. We'll get to that in a minute. You're also going to include all the Morlock Siege cards, the standard encounter set, and two modular encounter sets, Military Grade and Mutant Slayers. Um, for setup, you're going to put the, is it Routed or Rooted? Uh, it depends on if you're from the north or not. Environments into play. Set the Hide Treachery and each Morlock ally aside. Spoilers. Shuffle the villains together without looking to create a villain deck, and the top card of this deck is in play. So that Marauder's deck is a deck of villains, and you're not going to know which one is popped out first. Um, When you flip Knock Knock over to the other side, it starts with one threat per player. It goes up one per player per round, and it pops at six per player. And the forced response is, after resolving step one of the villain phase, place one Knock Counter here. If there are at least three Knock Counters, advance to stage 2A. Or, if there are three villains under Roded, the players win the game. So you can try to win on this scenario, or you basically have three turns before it's going to advance. Um, so that's the, the first main scheme stage. Now we're going to go back to the villains. There are, I think, seven? One, two, four, six, seven. Yeah, seven. Seven different villains in this Marauder's deck. Um, they're all double-sided, A-side and B-side, and each villain gives the players a choice. So I'm going to read a couple of them here, and then I'll just hit the highlights on them. But Arc Light is the first one listed on Hall of Heroes. And on the A side, they're a one scheme, one attack villain with the force interrupt. When Arc Light attacks you or an ally you control, choose to confuse a character you control, or Arc Light gets plus two attack for this attack. And I believe, at least the way I play it, is you have to choose a choice that impacts the game state. So if all my characters are confused, I have to give Arc Light plus two attack. On the B side, um, they jump up to a two scheme, two attack. Um, Same sort of forced interrupt, but now it's confuse the character you control with the highest thwart, or Arclight gets plus two attack. So you've got to clear that confuse every turn, or you're going to end up having Arclight with plus two attack. And the rest of the routers have almost the exact same thing. They all have abilities that are when this villain attacks you or an ally you control, and they always give you two choices, and the second choice is that that villain gets plus two attack for that attack. Um, so the different choices, Blockbuster can gain a tough status card or get plus two attack for the attack. Um, Shimmera can force you to spend mental resources. Greyco, Greycrow discards 
the highest cost card you control, or it gets a bunch of attack for the attack. Um, Harpoon deals indirect damage, or it gets an additional boost card. And Riptide places threat, um, or it gets plus two attack. And Vertigo stuns a character you control, or gets plus two attack. So they basically do all the things. And it's really hard to prepare for the scenario, because you might think, oh, I don't care about confusion. It'll be fine if Arclight comes up, and then you get a character that stuns you and does indirect damage and something else. So confusion matters none. Um, and I really enjoy that. So randomized villain setup. Like we said on the main scheme, it's defeat three villains um, to win the game. So what's the rest of the scenario? There's all those things we set aside, like Morlocks and Hyde and Rooted. So we should probably go through that. So Rooted or Routed is an environment card that's going to start in play. Um, cards under here are not in play, so if that minion comes up, they can still enter the field. With the force response, after the villain is defeated, put it under here. Discard each minion that shares a title with the top villain of the villain deck, because you've now revealed the next villain. And then the villain activates against each player in player order. In expert mode, um, it's almost the same, except cards under here are not in play. The villain gates retaliate one for each card under here. So by the time you're fighting that third villain, they have retaliate two, which is a bummer. Uh, forest response, after the villain is defeated, put it under here. Discard each minion that shares the title with the top villain. The villain activates against each player again. So the retaliates on the expert mode side. So that's always going to be in play. And you've got to defeat three villains and stack them under there to win the game. Um, once you advance to 2A by the uh, knock counters, we get a new when revealed. Each player puts a one set-aside Morlock ally into play under their control. Or in a single-player game, you get two Morlock allies. You shuffle the hide treachery into the encounter deck. And you get a bonus depending on how that first stage resolved. If the, if the previous stage advanced by not counters, each Morlock's going to get a tough status card. Um, so you, you definitely want to let it resolve by not counters if you can. You've now got a new main scheme. Uh, 2B is Mutant Massacre. Action, exhaust a Morlock ally to shuffle hide from the encounter discard pile into the encounter deck. Again, if there are three villains under rooted, the players win the game. If this stage is completed or there are no Morlock allies in play, the players lose the game. So we cannot let all the Morlocks be defeated. So last thing I'll explain before I open it for comments and, and questions, and we can talk through any of the other cards people want to talk through, um, the Morlock allies. So you, each player is going to get a Morlock ally. It's a dash for its cost, one fort, one attack, five health ally with the Morlock and Mutant trait with victory minus one. It does not count against your ally limit, and card abilities remove card abilities cannot remove this ally from play. So you can't like discard it with something crazy. Um, when an enemy attacks you, it attacks the Morlock instead. So you've got to defend either with an ally or your hero, or that Morlock's going to be taking a lot of damage to face from these Marauders. So that's like the overall summary here. Getting to build up for a little while, maybe work on that first villain, and then you're going to get these Morlocks you have to defend and make sure that they don't get massacred, otherwise the bad guys win. What did everybody think of Morlock Siege? I enjoyed it. I, I, I played it about three times. Um, two of the times we never even got to the second stage. Um, I, you I defeated did... three on the first stage? Yeah. 
In three wow. turns? Justice, buddy. Justice. <laughs> no, well, um... It, it, it pops either way on the third turn, though. Yeah. But okay, okay. The, they all have really low hit points. I mean, nine that hit is points. True. I can do nine hit points with Wolverine, like, every turn. Okay, so this is a Wolverine game. Got yeah, it. Of course. <laughs> when is it not a Wolverine game? Um, the only time, it, you know, I had trouble was when Grey Crow showed up. He sucks. Uh, yeah, Grey Crow's ability is either to discard the highest card you control or give them plus X attack, where X is the printed cost of that highest card. So they're hitting big. Yeah, so, I mean, Bigly. super fun. Su- super fun aspect. Uh, I like the randomness of the villains, which uh, allowed me with my super OP deck to even, you know, still not be as OP as, you know, a previous game was. Um, I-, I did have, like, the first game I played with them, I, I thought it was all. I-, I was actually like, man, this is too easy because, like, I hit, like, uh, Riptide, and then I hit. Uh, Arclight and Blockbuster, and I'm like, these these guys don't really... I'm, I, I wasn't too worried about any of them. Um, but once you hit some of these more stranger ones, like uh, Chimera and Grey Crow and Harpoon. Harpoon's actually way stronger than I think people give them credit for. Um, then you start getting these more unique abilities in there, instead mm-hmm. of just the... Uh, Oh well, something gets confused or something gets stunned, you know. Uh, and oh, tough. I don't care. I play Wolverine. Um, but yeah, oh, like Wolverine. this is the Wolverine show now. <laughs> yeah, it's always the Wolverine show. <laughs> but yeah, once you get into some of these more unique characters in there, it gets a a lot better. Um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I really did, and I. The the one game where I did go to the, the second stage with the Morlocks, I had actually a blast in that game because I thought the mechanics with the Morlocks getting the hide and trying to protect them. Because mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with Wolverine, and now instead of attacking every turn, I'm uh, I'm defending, which was unique because normally I don't do that with Wolverine. I just right? let it go through. What do you What did you think of? Uh, I, I also really like this one, especially as a first scenario. You know, I, I, I don't think it's the hardest one, but the RNG, I think, like Krim is saying, can really, depending on kind of how your deck is built and what you're good at, you may want, well, everyone hates Graker, I guess, but, you know, like certain characters can be impacted a lot more, you know, depending on like what your deck is bringing to the table. The The other thing I always enjoying scenarios is when there is kind of this like story progression that they're building in. Like I think the knock knock into the mutant massacre main schemes and how it progresses uh, adds that flavor. That is really fun. And um, I, I actually really like the routed card because it makes it so the scenario kind of levels up as you kind of, as you're eliminating villains, right? So unless you're playing like Hawkeye or something that retaliate too for that third villain at, you know, higher player counts where the villain health is much higher. 
hurts, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like swing to face for two. Well, I'm not going to swing for two and take two back, you know, like, so you're not going to do, you know, it's a different way to kind of shut down some of that ping damage, right? So unless you can do that with a range attack, uh, you think a lot more about what attacks like you're going to use to hit the villain. Yeah, is this, I, I don't go for it. Oh, is this the premier Hawkeye scenario? Oh, only an expert, right? You you don't have that retaliate um, in standard mode, yeah. right? I guess I guess yeah. I guess is it is it Hawkeye's time to shine? That question is for Dan. No, no, we're still waiting for that moment. Oh, okay, sorry about that. Sorry to hear that. Plus yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I mean, Hawkeye can always shine. Don't get me wrong. Hone said the exact right things to make it for a third episode. But, um, yeah, yeah. Not quite there yet. We got to make it perfect. Um, I agree with both points. Um, I haven't run into any villain combinations that felt really unfun. I've only played this once solo. Most of my games have been two-player and three-player. We played one four-player game of this one. Um, so we've never defeated it on knock knock because those higher player count health pools usually we don't all have a we don't all have a Wolverine turn turn one um, and are able to knock out a villain every turn. I really also like the environment card. I like how we, like you kind of get to choose when the villain activates against you, like because they're going to get that round the table activation, which can really change like the state of the game. Um, and I feel like this scenario in particular is a really good example of where I feel like the balance should be between standard mode and expert mode. I feel like standard mode is totally winnable with the precons. Winnable with almost any of the precons that are out there. Like, you can grind out a win. Um, you're going to get this Morlock to help you out. Kind of got to pull you along. And expert mode is actually a pretty hefty chunk up, right? Like, the, the extra retaliate and all of the plus stats on all the villains and all their ability choices getting worse. Like, Expert's quite a bit harder. And I feel like that's something that uh, the designers have learned, right? I think a lot of times previously, the difference between Standard and Expert was, like, hit points and, like, one stat value. But here, like, it really shifts how you play the game, right? Allies can, like, no longer be used to be thrown at the villain for attacking, which is kind of a bummer, because we'd like more of that. Because that retaliate hurts them way too hard. Um, and I think that's that's a really good balance to strike. I think standard should be playable by the precons, and it should still be fun when you construct your deck. And expert should be where when you try to play it with the precons, you're like, whoa, this is why deck construction exists. I need a challenge. Um, and I feel like this one nailed it. Yeah, um, I, I would even go as far to say that this is probably my favorite or most balanced, most interesting first scenario of any of the boxes like don't get me wrong bones exist still i I love crossbones but this this is technical in a way that crossbones isn't but yet without being super difficult it is um i like both still just if we're drawing comparisons i like that crossbones like really forces people to decide when to let those main schemes pop since there's three of them here what i found is with knock knock we almost never thwart the first three turns. Like, we just spend it building, and, like, maybe one person will jump down a turn so we don't pop out on the main scheme. But, like, we just let the three knock counters happen when we build our board, and then we lay into the villain. So it doesn't give you that, like, tension of what's going to happen. Um, but before you find out what's going to happen, that works fine. So, I mean, I, I still like it. 
I won't sit here and listen to somebody say that the villain whose whole thing is he pulls out gun isn't technical when his scenario is him pulling out gun. Yeah. It's pretty technical. I'm just, I'm just Thank saying, you, my like, crossbones brother. Yeah, if I had he to pulls choose, out a gun. If I had to choose between crossbones or this one, I'm choosing this one. That's Honestly. I mean that's fine, but crossbones is technical. Sometimes he pulls out guns. Save my verdict for episode three. <laughs> any uh any marauders like uh comic lore tidbits you want to throw at us? Who are these nerds? Yeah, so the Marauders are a group of um well, assassins, obviously by the keywords, who their main goal is to get rid of the Morlocks because the Morlocks are not cool, pretty mutants like the X-Men are. And um, there's a little bit more like under the surface to that, like as to why. But Mister Sinister is saying, like, yeah, these guys uh, genetically, they stink. Let's get rid of them. And um, you know, it kind of expands the X-Men's role to protect, you know, uh, this this colony of mutants. Um, so it's pretty cool. You know, everybody knows everybody knows the term like the mutant massacre and like what happened. And um, you know, the, That's the dubious gambit. You know? <laughs> yeah, the, the the dubious association of, uh, of Gambit. Um, and then also, I think it's worth noting that I often confuse this team for the UFOs, which is a group of um, Hulk villains that are uh, pretty lame. So, kind of funny how that works out, but Riptide looks a lot like uh, uh, Vapor. They do look like the UFOs. At first, I thought you were going to say, they're a group of people that maraud, and I was going to laugh, but... Yeah. Mm. We missed that kind of timing. Yeah, yeah. I could have done it, I guess, but um, yeah, got me. That's okay. That's okay. Well, don't they're worry. The, they're also in the X-Men 90s cartoon, right? Is that not the Nasty Boys? Or were they uh, the, the uh, Routers in there? You're both in it. Yeah, they. I, I think right. they actually talk, attack the Morlocks, right? When, like, Storm's mm-hmm. down there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's them. If Krim yeah, doesn't remember uh, it, it wasn't real. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> uh, Calypso sorry, was, was in yes, the animated they, they series are. as well. Yeah, they, they are. Okay. I'll believe it. I'll believe that was, it. That was the best series ever, man. I'm telling you right there. Well, don't worry. We're not done talking about them yet, because who wants to talk about, about Scenario 2? Do we have a volunteer? Do you want Juggernaut, Krim, because you loved him so much? Sure, I'll take Juggernaut. Well, the good news is, for Scenario 2, we already talked about the villains. They're the same. We're going to pass it to home. Yeah, I, I picked it so I didn't have to talk about the villains again. Um, so, the, the next scenario is on the run. You have your first scheme card, Gotta Get Away. So, one of the, the fun things about this one is that you have all those same villains from that Marauder set, but you, only, but you put in one random Marauder villain. So, you're not going to fight three different ones. You're going to fight one random one uh, for the entire scenario. So you're only fighting one of them. So hope you don't draw a Grey Crow, I guess, and have to deal with Grey Crow and can't change that. And in this one, you also get this I guess attachment called Hope's Captor. And it's this permanent attachment that comes into play. And uh, when you have another uh, Marauder minion engage with you, uh, on it. it, it starts on its confidence side, and when you have a Marauder engage with you, it actually schemes instead of attacking you, and then once you actually defeat the villain the first time, 
uh, since these Marauders are double-sided, right, there isn't a stage one or two, uh, the way they've done this is that Hope's Captor flips the other side to the Desperate side, which then gives the villain six per player hit points, uh, and then advances. That's how you advance from stage one to two. So when you actually flip the villain, it actually advances the stage uh, to the second stage, and you know it has the same effect of if you have Marauders engage with you, uh, it schemes, and then also boosts its scheme and attack by one each. So the villain does get a little bit harder and has is a little, I guess, kind of beefier, um, harder to kill. On the... And it's one of those ones also, if you let the, the main scheme for uh, Stage 1B kind of scheme out, you lose the game, right? So you do need to keep this main scheme under control and uh it starts out with uh one scheme per player has the normal one per player acceleration and it goes up to eight per player so it isn't like super high but it's not super low like some of the other scenarios uh like crossbones or whatever right and uh one of the things that's interesting about this as well is that they have on this main scheme a differentiator between kind of expert mode and standard. So an expert, the villain uh, gains steady already. Uh, and then if you're playing on standard, uh, all the broader minions uh, come in with steady as well. So, you know, differentiating that and then you start and play with a broader minion uh, from the get go. Uh, once you kind of advance stage two, um, uh, the broader minions gain guard. Uh, on top of the steady, and then the same thing with the villain, uh, it, it keeps it steady uh, from kind of the first stage. And I think that's the bulk of it, and there's a bunch of kind of cards from on the run that help with, like, adding that variability, because uh, it has stuff that does different things depending on what marauders are in play so obviously you have the villain but then you might have marauder minions from the set that's being mixed in um um that you're playing against and i think that i think covers at least most of the feel of how on the run works since we already covered the marauder minions or the marauder villains um so what did you all think of this scenario this one was a little bit harder um but it, it was quite fun. Um, I, I will say there was felt like there was a lot of allies in this one, or minions in this one, and it. I I know it's because you, you have all the marauders as minions. Plus, there's like five new ones in this one. Plus your your mod. Um, but it did feel like, or or quite possible, I just got unlucky and I kept drawing them all. But I did feel like I was getting overran with minions. I, I think that's... Yeah, there is the... You do get the mutant slayers, which I think is the marauder minions. Uh, but then you have two modular sets. And then you uh, get the nasty boys. And, and the built-in ones, one of them is the nasty boys, right? So yeah. you're getting kind of two whole, you know, large, like five, you know, like five, like ten minions that are chunky, right? Like Those are the ones I remember from the show. But yeah, there were yeah. a lot of minions. I do scoff at Wolverine being overrun by minions, though. There's no such thing. <laughs> yeah. Slice them up. 
I guess they're beefy minions. No, they're nasty yeah. minions. Well, well only some half of them are nasty. nasty. Yeah, about about half. And come <laughs> on, who doesn't like slab? That guy's not nasty. Why are you so mean? Ugh, I just don't like saying slab. Yeah, I do. These it's are definitely like the ones that I, I remember more from the show with uh, George and Hairbag. Hairbag, yeah. See, come on. <laughs> I like this scenario a lot. I like it. I liked the randomness in the first scenario with the three villains, but I like the more traditional like route of having sort of like the same villain to defeat twice because you have to flip uh, the Hope's capture card. Um, I found that to be more like... In the realm of normal Marvel champions, dumb, but also with a unique twist on it. Um, I I really enjoyed this scenario in general. I like the idea of Hope's captor, and I like the idea of when you play this scenario, each time you get like a random villain. So you could play and say, "Hey, as a team, we're going to pick the villain," or you can do it random, like it says, right? Um, and you you could prepare for one villain, and then it's a completely different one, or something like that. And you get great so, row. And you get great grow every time. Every time I yep. play with Krim, it's true. <laughs> I think that this scenario uh, is a very, very good opportunity to bring back the community favorite, where I rate a scenario based on the number of predator references in it. And uh, for this one, I'm going to give it a firm 10 out of 10 because it has one. Uh, the art for tag team is the most distracting part of it because I can't look at it without thinking about the Predator quote that I probably can't say on our podcast. Um, yeah, but, you know, when they're shaking hands and stuff, it's pretty cool. So, on the Predator scale, the scenario gets a 10 out of 10. Fair, fair. Uh, my least favorite part about this scenario is I really hate the plot device that is Hope Summers. Like, that was one of my least favorite comic runs was when they, like did all of the Hope shenanigans um, in the X-Men comics. So just seeing that Hope Summers is going to exist made me a little sad. But maybe I just won't rescue her. I'll join the Villainous podcast for a bit. I hope you change your mind. Never. Never. Don't give me hope. Or do. I'll I'll chump block with her all day. (laughs) What do you think, Hone? Did you like this one? Dislike it? Uh, I liked it, but you know, similar to I think the first one, like I like that the you know the scheme progresses, like it they do change it. Uh, there isn't like a big change necessary between scheme one and two, but I think it helps with the the plot device, right? Uh, the difference between confident versus desperate, and you feel that a little bit more because the acceleration is actually pretty nasty on stage two. It goes from one per player to two per player. Which yep. I think is easy to miss, but uh, yeah. you do really feel that uh, kind of pressure, desperation, uh, which I think is nice and or maybe not nice to play against, but it, you know fits the theme well. And yeah, I like the RNG part of it, uh, and getting steady on villains makes expert definitely more challenging, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I like kind of that trend of. They are really differentiating, I think, normal and expert or standard and expert in a meaningful way that doesn't feel like they're just adding a bunch of surge, right? Which I think is the worst way to to kind of make things harder. Totally. 100% agree. Boo on surge. 
Any other last comments before we finally move on from this marauding band of marauders? I just it's really cool to see them, I think, have this is the first time they've done it, but like have a villain set that is used across multiple scenarios. Uh, and I think they did a good job of, you know, th they don't feel like, like there's a lot of similarities between like, it's like, oh, I fought Grey Crow. Turns out he still sucks, you know, <laughs> like in scenario two or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's nice that they don't feel the same, you know, the, the scenarios at all. And so mm -hmm. I, I do like how they do have different feels to them. If you don't in a, in a campaign setting, now I did not play it as a campaign setting, but I, I could see you going, well, if if one of the three vi villains you defeated in the first scenario can't be the main villain for the second scenario, that, that could be interesting. But this way, it is always somebody different if you're doing it linear. Thematically, that makes a little sense, right? They captured Hope and got away. They weren't at the, the massacre. Yeah. That was a distraction. Yep. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, let's keep the momentum going and have Krim yeah. tell us all about Juggernaut. Oh, oh my Juggernaut. Oh. I'll start with the main scheme, which is the unstoppable drug Juggernaut. So you're going to get Juggernaut, you're going to get Hope Summers, uh, Standard Set, and the Modular Set. They recommend uh, the Black Tom Cassidy Set. Um, the setup is you're going to attach his helmet and to Juggernaut, and you're going to put Hope Summers into play under the first player's control. And before I read the next part, the, the backside of the main scenario, I'm going to go over the helmet. So the helmet has two sides. Um, it's an attachment for Juggernaut. It has permanent. Obviously, it attaches to Juggernaut. While it's on its normal side, Juggernaut has stalwart, and his attacks gain overkill. A hero action is spend three resources of the same type to remove each momentum counter from Juggernaut and flip this card. When it's flipped, it's going to become exposed. Um, it loses the stalwart and overkill. Juggernaut will now take an additional damage from each card with a printed mental resource on it. And then force response after Juggernaut schemes, place one momentum counter on Juggernaut and flip this card. Okay. So the main scheme, it's going to be a seven per player. And then ticks up one per player every turn with a initial one per player. It's force interrupt is when this scheme would be completed. Instead of instead of completing it, you're going to do the following: remove all threat from here. If Juggernaut is exposed, if Juggernaut exposed is in play, so if the helmet has been removed, you're going to flip it back and put the helmet back on him. Pretty much, uh, you're going to place one momentum counter on Juggernaut. And Juggernaut attacks each player in player order, even if they're in alter ego form. Okay, so Juggernaut, his, his uh, stage one is a one attack, or one scheme to attack with a star. Uh, Juggernaut gets plus one attack for each momentum counter on him. And when you reveal Juggernaut, you will place a momentum counter on him, and give him a tough status. Now for stage two, he's... It's, it's going to be three attack instead of two attack, and then the when revealed is place one momentum counter 
if the helmet is exposed, you're going to flip it. Otherwise, he's going to gain a tough status. And then the expert, which uh, some people might do, is four attack and two scheme. Um, also still, plus one attack for each momentum counter. When, when revealed, search the encounter deck or discard pile for the head of steam and reveal it. Shuffle your deck. If Juggernaut is exposed, is in play, flip the helmet back down, and then otherwise give him a tough status. Um, head of Steam is going to be an attachment. That Juggernaut gains Retaliate X, where X is the number of momentum counters on Juggernaut. When you reveal this attachment, attach to Juggernaut and place one momentum counter on him. A hero response. After Juggernaut attacks you, spend one resource of for each damage dealt by this attack, discard this card. So if he does four damage, you got to spend four resources to get rid of this card. Uh, he's also going to have some... Oh, obviously, he's going to have lots of attack stuff in there. Um, I do want to go over the Hope Summers card, because that's a card that is going to be in play with you. Um, she's a dash, cost, obviously, a star, star, for a star for thwart, star for attack. And then three health. Um, setup. The first player puts whole players into play under the and does not count against ally limit. So her attack and thwart is her hope summer's base thwart and base attack are equal to the thwart and attack of your hero. Not the base attack or base thwart, but the current thwart and attack of your hero when you activate her. If Hope Sum Summers leaves play, the players lose the game. Yeah, I had a real tough time with him the first time I played him. I I, I made the uh, crucial mistake of just ignoring momentum counters and tried to burn him down because I was thinking, well, he's just a, a rhino or or maybe a maybe a venom on the top end. And <laughs> What's he, the big deal, Graham? You can't take 15 to the face? He crushed me. <laughs> like, <laughs> badly. That stalwart and the overkill on the helmet is so good. You really want to flip that helmet down. Black Panther's playing... time to shine. Yeah. <laughs> Were you playing okay. Wolverine? Was yeah. the Wolverine strategy? Yeah, I'll find the Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, just let him hit me. I'll heal too. It's fine. Yo, know, it, it, it did not. It did. I did not have fun the first two games I played Juggernaut. It wasn't until the third game when I started to, you know, try different speed. tactics. Yeah, and he he was he was a uh, dude. The over. I didn't realize that overkill was going to be so much worse for me because I was it's like, well, okay, well. If I can't take all the damage, I can I can always just block with allies. Just I couldn't block with allies. I was just so much damage, and Would because I wasn't, you'd, you'd say you, you hit your stride the second time through. Dude, it was more like the third time through. Third time, okay, and, and that's when you really got your like legs under you. You kind of got running. Yeah, the, 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 that's when you started taking the helmet off. <laughs> really pay attention to that hel helmet mechanic and, and take advantage of it. Had to learn it though. Just one foot in front of the other, right? Yeah. Yeah, then before long, you were barreling straight through him, right? Yep, there you go. Yep, yep. 
I like the juggernaut a lot. I think he's a good scenario. <laughs> I think I think he takes a lot of teamwork, and uh, yeah. that makes me happy. Right? Anytime, like the. I mean, I hate to use the word math it out, but there were a lot of times where our team had to like figure out like this. It's so counterintuitive to me because when I'm sitting here saying it now, I'm like, yeah, who's going to pay the tax to flip the helmet? We like literally had that conversation, but it did not feel like the spaceship tax in Nebula. It was more of a desperation. Who's going to do this? Someone, someone has to. And uh, the unfortunate turns where the helmet's on and nobody has three resources of the same type were very dramatic. Like, we're passing cards to someone to hope they draw a third kind, and they don't. And then we're all like, no, we wasted a mansion on the wrong person. Uh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> Black Tom's a jerk as well. I think that was the included <laughs> modular set. Yeah. Black yeah. Tom is a jerk. Black Black Tom or, or the Creeping Willow? Because Black Tom brings the Creeping Willow. All of the above. Yes. All of it. All of it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I actually felt... I think I, I enjoyed Juggernaut. I don't know if I liked him as much as the previous two. Um, he, he felt a little more... I think like you're... I think what you expect like have a standard scenario. But I think he's well-designed. Depending on, I think, your deck construction, I played him a bunch solo. Um, like, how many times did you flip the helmet in your games? Like, no, the first game, none. none. Well, that's probably a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But I think I only had to flip the helmet like two or three times in a lot of my true solo games. Uh, obviously, Confuse is a really good friend of yours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you can keep it from flipping back, if you never let him scheme, then once you like get rid of the stalwart overkill, it's not as bad, right? And then he feels like a normal villain to me at that point. I feel like the there's three copies of that treachery Sidorax exemplar where it just flips the helmet if if he was exposed. That really yeah. did it for our multiplayer games. We would always like remove the helmet, flip down, confuse him, and we'd be like, alright, we're gonna trade confuses, we're all gonna get a turn to go to bed and take a nap and heal up, and then every single time, like, one person would flip down, and then the confuse would get absorbed, and the next player would, like, draw a Sidorax exemplar and flip the helmet back, and we'd all be like, no! Why? Why must this happen now? You just need to play protection so someone can run Black Widow, right? No, thank you. No, thank you. I'd rather draw, draw me another. I'd yeah, like to yeah. take a different card. Thank you. <laughs> I'd rather play a different scenario than play protection. Uh, you could just do lucky break and domino. Seems That's pretty true. Good. That's true. You know, I, I feel like there's a not a ton, but there's definitely there's enough treachery cancel. Yeah, enough treachery build for juggernaut. It's fine. Our so teams tend to like. In our multiplayer night when we play, we don't talk about what villain we're playing ahead of time. Everybody just, like, claims a hero, like, in our group text chain, and then we show up with our decks. Maybe that's why we're so bad. Hone has already, like, I mean, Hone started the episode saying that he was a Lord of the Rings player, so when he says, you can build for the scenario and have a great time, like, that's because he played Lord of the Rings, where you either do that or you get swatted every single time. Yep. Yeah, I also <laughs> basically only play an expert, so that's kind of you know, it gives you that Lord of the Rings feel, right? Sure. Of, of version of Marvel Champions. Yeah, I, I think if you have good Confuse, also, also true solo, you know, like 
you just don't see that many cards in right. comparison yeah, to a big player game. So, so like, fair. I'm not seeing Sidorex Exemplar a bunch of times in my game, right? Like, I'm seeing it, like, maybe twice at most. Like, um, it's, I, it's definitely yeah. an exaggeration, but in four-player games, I feel like we draw it every other round. It's obnoxious. Well, there, you know, there's only... He only has an 18-card, like, set, you know, by himself. So it's, yeah. not a, it's not a thick stack by any means. And he's only a singular modular, right? Like, the other ones have two modulars. So it just isn't that big of a deck. So I imagine you did... Like, how many acceleration tokens did you have? Um, many. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. Wait, one. Okay, That's all that matters. <laughs> there might have only been two heroes left at the end of our four-player game, but we won. Nice. Ma- made it through. Um, left bodies on the way. I do think they balanced it well in the sense that when you do spend that three, it removes every single momentum counter. So it doesn't matter, like, how high you stack it if you can remove it. Yeah. I, the one thing I wish was a little bit more like dominant in Juggernaut scenario is the the first couple times we played it, we thought it was going to be a really cool risk reward scenario. But being the control the board typical conservative Marvel Champions players we are, we uh we pretty heftily just constantly flipped the helmet and tried to confuse and flip down. And uh, there was a little bit of risk reward in case you drew one of those exemplars, but like it always felt like the right decision was to do the safe thing and like minimize momentum. It never felt like, oh, we can last one more turn with that helmet on. Um, at least that's how our group played it. It's well, so you know, satisfying. I, you know. <clears throat> it's so satisfying oh. that your your table has this clever plan to try to outwit the juggernaut because he's a big dumb idiot. And uh, his solution is to put his hat back on and just punch you to the moon. That makes me. That's that speaks once again to like the accuracy of this game in terms of like how characters work. Like you can you have a, literally a whole table or a whole super team saying like, "Oh, he's just he's just a big stupid. Like, what's the worst he could do? What does out, outsmart him? Those fists are really big." <laughs> Disappointed that the Sidorak exemplar doesn't somehow reference the Crimson Bands of Sidorak card we have, but that's okay. I thought it was going to stun the first time I drew it, and then I was, I was mildly cheekily disappointed. That's the same same Sidorak, I assume, right? Our Marvel Champions Lord person could tell us. One and only. Uh, so well, what you're saying only. is that you wish you wish the Juggernaut also stunned you? Yeah, I did seven damage and stunned me without attacking. Yeah, been cool. Yep. I mean, and he did that like, a lot anyway. But <laughs> and you just like packed up all of your Marvel Champions cards and like put him in a box. I mean, and, like, who am I kidding? If he ever attacks me when I'm the first player, hope was dying. And I'm sorry, <laughs> team. But we're moving on to scenario four. Yeah. <laughs> fail, fail forward. Yeah, fail forward. <laughs> I tried to do that once, and my team yelled at me, and I was like, no, I really want to. Dark Horror approach. I really want to. Oh, you want um, it? Sure, go for it. Here you go. <laughs> I, I did like this scenario a lot. I do like the traditional style of Marvel Champions with, like, I, I want to have at least one beat-em-up scenario per box, and I feel like this was that. I didn't have to overly think about it. It was just, like, remove the threats and punch face, and much like Adderkop said, that speaks to him, that speaks to me, too. Mm-hmm. Did you beat him up or did he beat you up? We lost. Let me look at my playbook. My play log. I played Juggernaut 11 times and lost two. So that's not too that's bad. That's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty good. 
what what did you think of Head of Steam? I felt I feel like a little disappointed with Head of Steam, just because if you're able to flip the helmet, the retail doesn't do anything, right? I mean, it makes no sense. He's not a mutant. He doesn't literally have a head of steam. So I, I just, I could, I just threw it out of the deck. I'm just kidding. I like the um, not a mutant dig in there. You heard me. I heard you. <laughs> um, I, it it didn't feel like it felt worse as a three boost card than it did as an attachment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's probably the the biggest miss for me was the flip to stage three and and having that out of steam being like wait am i missing something i can just flip his helmet and this now has a retail zero like i don't i never care about basically the response on this card right definitely keeps that helmet you definitely keep the helmet down when that card's in play yeah yeah it's nasty if it does go off but i didn't feel like it went off a ton um, I loved the art for this set. I really expected when we took the helmet off for him to have the exact same expression with the helmet removed, but they kind of changed his face a little bit. I'm a little little sad <laughs> in that, but it's okay. It's close enough for me. I actually really love the art for Juggernaut and his cards. The only one I can't handle is building momentum because it reminds me of that Fear Itself arc where like Colossus became the Juggernaut, or maybe Juggernaut yes. became Colossus. And I, for some reason, every time I see that card art, I think that's what it is. And then I see that it's them like facing off, and I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm just looking at it stupid. But uh, I can't unsee it. I just can't. I think my favorite art is Trample with Deadpool riding him. Yeah, my, my favorite really is good one. the Expedar one. I just like that that picture of it. Actually, we did like ground pound and how scribbly it is. It's like very comic booky to me, so I like it. Anyway, enough fawning about Juggernaut's art. Although, if you can keep doing that, we'd be happy, FFG. Um, that's our wrap up of the first three scenarios. So, we've got one more episode to go over next evolution. Next time, we're going to talk through the final two scenarios and our thoughts on the campaign, and then we'll do our ranking where we rank it amongst the boxes. Is that our favorite box? Is that our least favorite box? We'll rank it for, like, fun factor, for challenge, and, uh, I don't know, theme or something like that. And we'll see yeah. We'll see where everybody puts it. So, until then, just put your head down and keep plowing on the Juggernaut, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Marvel Champions Monthly. If you liked this content, be sure to like, subscribe, or leave a comment on the video letting us know what else you would love to see from the world of Marvel Champions. You can also join us on our Discord, or support our work on Patreon in the links in the description below.